back. Marty! I gave you explicit instructions not to come here, but to go directly back to 1985. No, Doc, I had to come. But it's good to see you, Marty. Marty, you're gonna have to do something about those clothes. You walk around town dressed like that, you're liable to get shot. Or hanged. What idiot dressed you in that outfit? You did. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good night. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Do Space Talk. I am your host Becca and as always joined by the illustrious Dave and Chris. How are you guys doing? Illustrious? A decorate. illustrious. We're decorated. <laughs> <laughs> Decorated with all those war medals. I, 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 yeah, I was just looking around for I've got any paint on me or something. I don't, I don't... <laughs> then yeah. you'd be illustrated. For services to paintball. <laughs> God. You're walking around with a limp. I'm sure I didn't go out drinking there this weekend. You know, I'm sure I didn't get plastered at all. Just... <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all week. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure this is going... Ugh. Oh, bloody hell, get on with it, get on with it. Anyway, we are coming to the end, or we are reaching the end of our Back to the Future retrospective series. Pardon, we're reaching what? We're climaxing. Climax! <laughs> we're reaching the end of... <laughs> this is the end. And whose end are we reaching exactly? Well, well not I'm mine, that's I, 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 I'm, I'm pushing my groin out a bit, neither of you taking the hit. <laughs> Well, from where I'm sitting, I can't reach either of your ends, so. <laughs> Unless I'm like. She's disappointed by that. <laughs> she met me last week. She was a total gentleman, as women go. It was very lovely to meet Dave. Um, unless. Oh, no, I was going to make a reference for that. Oh, obviously, date, but never mind. Anyway, we are reviewing Back to the Future Part 3. I think you're Sorry. in there, Dave. Way the lads. <laughs> She bought me a Diet Coke last week. I should have taken that for what it was. <laughs> a play for my penis. Everyone knows when, when a girl Cheap buys date. you a Diet Coke. You're in there. <laughs> if, if it's regular Coke, then forget it. It's nothing. You know what it, you know what it's like? You have a Diet Coke, read the shooting script for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, <laughs> and then up the apples and pears. What, what, if, she, what if she buys you a Pepsi Max? What does that mean? I suspect uh, anal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the dirty one, isn't it? So no, no, no. It was just, it was just the front bottom. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad for not sitting next to you in the cinema. <laughs> I had to go and sit further along the road because I couldn't see. Could see someone sat in front. Someone tall sat, sat in front of me. Becca's four, three foot six, and she sat in the back row. So I still couldn't move. see. So she couldn't see, so she had to move. And then Terry Martin was like, where's Rebecca A? So I had to stick my hands up and go, I'm here, at the back. I hope that doesn't make it to the JBR interview. That was very embarrassing. I hope it does. Uh, <laughs> so what are we watching tonight, Rebecca? <laughs> tonight we are watching Back to the Future Part 3, starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Mary Steenbergen, Thomas F. Wilson, Elizabeth Shue, score by Alan Silvestri, not Robert Silvestri, the 
bizarre love child that I made up last week. Um, script by Bob Gale, directed by Robert Zemeckis, and released in 1990. Oh my love! I remember seeing this in the cinema, and I can't. I know all, my only memory of it was I saw it at the cinema. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, the weird thing is, I was. I remember being so excited. Did you I, I I remember being really really excited to go and see it. Like, oh my god, you know, kind of one of those big event things. Oh my god, Back to the Future of it. In a Western, it just looks so good. And I remember going to see it, and that's all I remember. I remember sitting in the cinema watching Back to the Future Part 3, and that's it. <laughs> Don't ask me how or why, but obviously, <laughs> it didn't leave that much of a lasting impact. No, I might, my kind of, I, I didn't see this at the cinema. I think I must have caught this on, on DVD on one of its anniversary releases. Um, I just remember thinking, oh, it's the Western, or, you know, it's like the West one in the trilogy sort of thing. It didn't leave that much of a great, you know, impression upon me. I think I remember playing a video game of some sort somewhere along the line um, and was always stuck on the level where you had to race against, you had the um, the, the horse and the train racing against each other. Oh, so that's um, it then? Yeah, basically towards the end. And I, I always always died on that level. I could never get any further. Bit rubbish at video games. Um, but I like to try. Um but yeah, so again, watching it tonight, it's kind of like, yeah, it's it's okay. It has good bits and bad bits. Mm. So I slightly I still chewed out, because when you said you died at that bit, I was like, shit, that was a hardcore 4D experience in your <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. I, I, can't even, I can't even remember. It might have been the, on... The seats literally dropped it off of, of a cliff, uh, cliff face. Yeah, literally. Um, I can't even remember which system. It might have been on like Mega Drive. I'm going to have to look it up. Like, as I say, it didn't leave that much of a good impression on me, unfortunately. Um yeah, so kind of re-watching, I've kind of reassessed it a little bit, um, and I was still, I would rank them in the order they were released, one, two, and three. Um, but it's, it's good fun, Western setting is, is good fun, um, obviously used the, uses um, Monument Valley to great effect, um, fun fact coming up about that later on, and um, obviously Universal, um, one of those also known like for its Western, so the Western set is quite interesting to go around if you ever go to Universal Studios. And it was fun to see the classic courthouse setting transported back to Wild West America, which is pretty cool. Hey Dave, what's your history with this film? Um, don't think I knew, like I think I was saying last week, when we talk about um, the lack of internet back then, it's not really in our day. It's almost kind of just, isn't it interesting how so different some things are? I had no idea there was a Back to the Future 3 when I went in to see Back to the Future 2. And I do remember when I was sat outside, because I think we must have, it must be a public transport thing, but I got to the cinema for Back to the Future 2 quite a time before the showing because I remember being sat out in the doorway for a while with like a couple of other young lads that were like similar ages to me and my cousin who were there and they were showing me this book and it was like a promotional magazine for the film basically I was trying to think was it a book or something special it was definitely like a special publication about the film and it was talking about Vista Glide and everything like that no reference to Back to the Future 3 I'm just thinking, like now, you you couldn't even begin to do that. It, it must be, it must have been, it must be a bit of a mixed bag for like marketing people at studios now that you can get the message out there so much quicker now. You know, if you if you need to get the world knowing about something, publicize it in the right place, drop it on YouTube at the right time, and everyone knows. That wasn't the case here, but the one thing that they must have had as a trade off that they must have quite liked is control of the message that they didn't want us to know about Back to the Future 3 until we saw the trailer at the end of the film. And my God, they managed it. 
Now, I'm not saying nobody knew, but most of us turning up just didn't. Um, my history with it, was, with it was, in terms of watching it, is I've always been really underwhelmed by it because I think it's a film that really doesn't need to exist because I think all, all it's a sign of is that they tried to do too much with the second one. So whilst I understand people looking at this film and saying, well, the second one was too stuffed and what a lovely return to the, a sort of more sensible pace this one is, the only reason it's a return to a sensible pace is they couldn't have crammed any more into the second film if they tried. You know, and I just think... The very fact that this this film's loves this film's main story seems to be the Doc love story before he lost her to Ted Danson. I don't know if he got. <laughs> I he don't know fell he, off his chair. I don't know if he uh, Ted Danson fell off his chair. He was so <laughs> stunned when he managed to bag her. It was um, love at first, cheerful. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I, I like the Doc character. I've always liked the Doc character. He's not like. And bear with me here because you won't understand what I'm getting at to start with. He's not like Stifler in American Pie. In that you watch Stifler in the first American Pie and you go, what a funny character. I'd like to see more of him. And in the second one, they stick him in every scene and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and it is, and it, is that, it is that concept of like leave them wanting more. That what you think will be good for you doesn't actually work when you get it sometimes. Now, that isn't the case with Doc. I was pleased to have more of him in this film. But at the same time, the very fact that it was a love story based around him just felt like, should we just do something else then? We're stretching it out now. Mm. You know, these films were never about Doc. They were never meant to be about Doc. And whilst I'm delighted to see him, like, left happy, um, and, and um, Mary Steenburgen is, is a very interesting actress in a lot of ways because she's kind of a bit timeless. Because you see Mary Steenburgen now and she's in her 60s, I think. Late 60s, I think, because I think she was... Uh, and she looks really young for that age. And yet when she, she was in this... She doesn't look that much different, really. No, that, no but that's the point. That much. When she good. was in this, she was about 36 and I couldn't believe she was 36 because she looks like 48. Hmm. And it's not that she she was looking really decrepit or anything. It was just she never had a youthful air about her and still doesn't. But, yeah, she hasn't aged. Um, but the film just doesn't really matter to me at all. I just think that, like, they stretched out this little sort of denouement to part two. And it's become a whole film. And I'm not really sure why. There are things about it I kind of like. I, I prefer Buford to Griff. I mean, my goodness, the idea of like Buford in an era where they did all kill each other makes a lot more sense than this guy with bizarre implants. Oh, what? Um, Mad Dog. Mad Dog Buford. Yeah, yeah Mad Dog Buford. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree. Um, I would prefer better than Griff. Buford. And, and it's different Griff as well. Random. I mean, although they look exactly the same, different voice, different accent, everything, Griff was just too much. Turned up a bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I so, that's, one I that's one of the things I thought. I thought, um, is it Thomas F? Wilson. That's the guy who plays Biff in yeah. Buford. I thought he was generally really good in this. I mean, I I, I, I thought uh, what I really liked is that it didn't go over the top with, like, it wasn't just, oh, it's Biff with a... You know, an as, as a cowboy. You know, he, you know, he actually played it as if he is an, he's an actual outlaw. I mean, yes, there are some certain things that are similar, but I think that more comes across in, in the situations of 
of of the thing. You know, they like to sort of replay the same things happening again and again. You get the same scenarios, same setups. But him as a character, while it is like uh, your generic outlaw kind of guy, I you know you could you could probably fit fit him play, uh, um, and fit that performance in another western, and you'd be fine. It wouldn't be like oh, he's just playing Biff. Well, it's not yeah. as cartoonish. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about the film overall, and in, well, in fact, I do know about the film overall, and it, and it's a it's a tiny bit dialed down from the second one. I think it shares the same problem. It's a bit cartoonish still. It's still very, very primary colour palette uh, in a way the first one wasn't. Um, and it just feels unnecessary. I mean, it is necessary. I, I don't think you can leave it the way Back to the Future 2 ended. But the very fact Back to the T- Future 2 ended where it was was just a sign of massive overambition in that film. Um and so I've never loved this. Um, and, you know, I look back at the reviews of the time. I didn't see that many, but I think it, it's probably still common to the reviews you would see now. The, the second one was, God bless you for trying, but this is ridiculous. And the second one is, what a return to form of the first one. And I've never really felt that way. I'm with Becker. I think they declined in a straight line, frankly. I think the first one is an absolute classic. The second one is extremely flawed, but, like, God bless its ambition. And the third one is just, are we done yet? And yeah. that's my first thoughts, really. I, I'm kind of... I'm kind of... I'm, I think I understand both sides. You know, I, I, you know, I could... I could happily go with someone, who, you know, who said, this is clearly the better film because it's not as stuffed and it's, it's, its heart's more in touch with the original and it's just like a... A nicer watch, so to speak. You know, as I can kind of go with like people who prefer part three, but I can also go with like the argument of like part two. Like as you said, it's like well, yes, it crams a lot of in, but it's got a lot more ideas, and at least it you know it it tries something new and and all this. So I can kind of I can kind of go. I'm kind of evil evil all with it um, to to extent. I think that I think there's a nice sweetness to it. It doesn't obviously. I mean, but... I, I don't. I almost don't mean to interrupt because, like, I, I did my opening thoughts, but just to clarify a point a little bit more. Back to the Future Two is a, an awful lot more flawed, but it's more ambitious. That that film like swings for the fences and misses. This film doesn't really doesn't really Swing. try in, in quite the same way. So, the part of me that that loves people to have a go and fuck it up 40% of the time so like or even 60% of the time so that 40% of the time has a chance to be something really special likes response to back to the future 2 a lot more mm. yeah i can understand that i i think i think there's a nice sort of sweetness in the love story um even though it is well it's just give Doc, something to do, which was nice because he's he got nothing to do last time around. <laughs> I mean, we we generally wondered what he was actually doing this whole time. Uh, so this time it, it was just like an. I mean, the way I see him, and, and you I, would be gutted, wouldn't you, Chris? You would be gutted, right? That like you've spent nine months somewhere with no distractions and no one to bother you, and you finally meet a like a hot bit of stuff a couple yeah. of days. Or you'd die. And you're thinking, I could have been bashing away for eight months here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I do like the yeah, predicament of it, of it all. It is kind of like also the whole 
sceptical, like, oh, look at first sight, oh, as if, you know, and this kind of, well, lo and behold, it does happen without even trying, and also the idea of, like, crap, she was actually meant to die, and, I, you know, when I say, you know, this kind of, like, emotional kind of, oh, what have I done, and also, how could I not? Um, and, yeah, there is stuff of it, of it, of that's, that's kind of interesting with the Doctor. The way I see it, at least with part three and part two, I mean, Back to the Future is a masterpiece cinema film. Part two and part three are kind of like add-on episodes. They all they almost feel almost like TV episodes, uh, not in the visual look, but what, like Splash Two, where like this time Marty's being played by Amy Yazbek. <laughs> no, no, but you know, it's like in um, you know, in, in the fact that just how the story, you know, the story just feels like, and now in another episode of Back to the Future, Marty actually goes to the future, and in another episode, Marty actually goes back to where he went before, and, you know, and now and now they're in the World West. It feels kind of very much like a this week in Back to the Future kind of thing, uh, rather than an actual cohesive story. Um, so. That's kind of how I I feel about it. I I enjoyed it. Um, obviously, it's not a patch on the first one, uh, and I kind of I kind of feel I kind of feel similar to part two, but obviously for different reasons. So I'm kind of I'm kind of the same with part two. I mean, my feelings are kind of like it's kind of better, but it's also it kind of plays it safe. If you know what I mean, it doesn't really it. It doesn't try enough. It just kind of just you know, it kind of just goes with emotions. But you know, but there you are. That's that's my that's my opinion on on part three. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just I can't really add more. Really, um, I I enjoyed it. I don't know. It's a bit difficult for me. I mean, the first one is an absolute masterpiece. Um, the best film ever made. Um, I think one of the most popular movies, perennially popular films ever made. Obviously, if you ignore what we made one. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Citizen Kane and Mel, Gib- and- Mel Gibson shaving his legs. There's nothing in the film like that. <laughs> oh dear, I don't think you could screen that film today. Everybody would be up in arms about it. Um, for the second what, film, you let think- women to sleep with them. I, cu- I couldn't see an issue. What's, what's wrong with that? I don't, I don't know about that one. Um, <laughs> cool. Sorry. Obviously, there are monumental problems with that, but we won't discuss that here. Um, yeah, as I said, the second film, it was very ambitious. It tried to cram a lot in to a short space of time um, and is very, very flawed, unfortunately. Um, I must confess, on this time round, um, I kind of I, I enjoyed it more. Um, I didn't think it was as much of a slog. Um, I think maybe it's because I... I happened to see the searches recently on, on the big screen and so I kind of had a bit of renewed appreciation because um, like <clears throat> eventually on the series we will get to all the westerns maybe selected westerns but for me it's despite my American studies degree it's a genre that I've neglected sadly um, so I had a bit of a better time with this film um, but again it's pretty much kind of more you know very much doc heavy um, but it's interesting that we do have a, have a storyline that's primarily focused on him um, sorry for that I'm, I'm just trying to think of what to say <laughs> but no, I, I think I kind oh, of. Oh, Cardamom wouldn't worry. Thank you. 
but I, yeah, I still think I, I would kind of rank them. Uh, not that this film is, is is terrible by any means. Um, it's, it's just like, it's just kind of yeah, it's all right, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's it's okay. I've had a good time with it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the western setting. Um, but you know, I would agree that um, Thomas F. Wilson, I would, I would say, is the biggest revelation this time round. Uh, I yeah, enjoyed him as as Buford more than I did as well. I think Buford's like one of the greatest screen and you know antagonist. Um, but I think Griff Biff <laughs> and um, Griff is just dialed up to eleven D stupid. I don't really get what that character's about. So, but when yeah, did Buford you is yeah, the is... competent type. <laughs> oh dear, it was so quotable. Um, but yeah, so in, in terms of Buford, it's like you you could actually imagine him as a Wild West outlaw. Um, you know, he, the character of like Buford Tanning could have been lifted from the pages of of Wild West law. You know. Um, such as the the world that they paint so vividly. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I would still just just in terms of it's kind of a little bit like oh, really. So I would still kind of rank it last. But hey ho, that's my opening thoughts. And they've been opened. And they've been opened, and they probably won't sound the same as my closing thoughts. Yeah, her gape, her gaping thoughts. Gaping. <laughs> Gaping brain <laughs> and my gaping mouth. <laughs> Becca, that's just that's just rude. I'm shocked. Should have kept her mouth shut. Be- 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 Becca, Becca, we're a clean show. We don't tolerate this kind of smut. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We don't. I hadn't noticed that. I was hoping you keep talking cleanly because I was watching a somewhere in time trailer on <laughs> with my mic off. So I'll just like keep going, folks. I'm doing it. <laughs> the elephants on in the background, so you know. We're all concentrating here. But they we're hoping to do somewhere in time very soon. Somewhere in time. So. Because of the lovely John Barry score. Oh. That's the main thing. I just love it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> With a capital L. Anyway, should we discuss this film in a sequential fashion? Yes, let's. We start with the end of Back to the Future 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like previously on Back like to the Rocky, Future. It's like Rocky, to be honest. It is, literally. Previously, in the last film... Here's what happened. It's just like, you know, episode catch-up. Yeah, it is. It's totally what it is. We just catch up on where we've just been with the last one. Mm. Ends up with him going... um, Doc passing out. We see that, don't we? Yeah. So the credit sequence for the film is them doing a sort of time-lapse on his his mansion. Mm. I I didn't realise his house was that big. It is in the first one. Massive. That's what I was saying. In, that's what I was saying about did he burn it down for the insurance money? Because he doesn't live in that in the third one. Yeah. No, it looks pretty different. Uh, first one, sorry. So, um, yeah, that's the right way around. In 1985, he doesn't live in that. So he's living there, but he's passed out. So that's what the sort of run into the film is. He ran back for some help and Doc passed out. So we're, we're just getting credits while Doc sort of sleeps and is ready to come round. Yeah, and it's like obviously pissing down in rain, and you know, he's there with the hoverboard with his feet up. And uh, yeah, so yeah, just basically sort of like get Marty to explain the plot basically again. And he's and he wakes up and he thinks it's 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 a dream, and you know sees Marty and he panics again, and then uh, he tries to explain explain the fact no 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 you're in the old west now. Um, and you know, and and show and shows him the car. So essentially, this should be all wrapped up now because you know, obviously, Doc's just said, "I'm in the old west. I'm I'm kind of happy. Don't don't come back for me." 
I'm yeah, I'm I'm happy where I am. You just get yourself back to the back to uh, the eighties. Um, uh, the time she's waiting for you. And he should he should do as he's told. I think yeah. the, the only reason he doesn't is the whole shot in the back thing. Mm. But that that's complete happenstance as well. So yeah, it does feel a bit less dry. Although it follows on quite nicely from two, and in retrospect, although it's a retro re- retrofit, it, that follows on quite well from the first one. It is let's dream up another adventure. Yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of imagine like for those who watched Back to Future Part Two, then after after the ending, thinking that like to be concluded, you think like, hang on, wouldn't the Doc just leave the the in somewhere and he can just jump back in? <laughs> But you know, it just seemed, it just seemed obvious. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's like the world of the world. Do I go and save Dark? It's not much for a future if he gets shot on the back. Uh, but you know, it's it's just like yeah, just let's just get let's just get him there. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, there just feels less energy around this film. The start of Back to the Future Two was kind of exciting. Mm. So all of this from the first from first going off, it just isn't that exciting to me. Um, I well, think I said last week that I'd end up saying that three was a better film that I liked less. I'm not even sure I think it's a better film. I think I think they both got different flaws. I think the first one, the second one, the first of the sequels, so the second one tries to do far too much. The third one is just so what. Um, and even yeah, even the start of the film and getting him back into the past is just so what. The most interesting thing about him going back into the past, just to skip forward very slightly, is when Buford goes to hang him. Months later, when Michael J. Fox woke up one morning and couldn't stop his fingers shaking, he thought it was the trauma from that stunt going slightly wrong because he nearly hanged himself doing that stunt and he damaged some neck ligaments. So what turned out to be Parkinson's disease, he thought was... um, an, yeah, ongoing, like from... an, an ongoing trauma from the, that accident. Yeah, because he was he very nearly kind of he was like unconscious for a few seconds or something. Yeah, he was quite badly hurt in that stunt. Yeah, stunt gone wrong. But yeah, I mean, some of it, even the bits that are meant to be humorous, it's almost like on paper I can see that they are, but they're not. No, I mean, like... there are a couple of sight gags which I thought were quite funny, but the rest kind of really. I'll be interested to know which bits you mean, Becca, because the bit I mean is. The putting him in the cowboy outfit. Yeah, that's one of them. There's there's no way a mid-50s doc would think that looks accurate. It looks like a fancy dress outfit. It does, because you've got the little bottoms on the the lapels, haven't you? It's like, what? I know it's pre the spaghetti westerns, so Mm. they probably weren't as quite as real, quote-unquote, looking. But you can tell immediately that doesn't look right. I, I, I just read it as like, well, that's the best they could do at the time. That's the closest yeah. thing you can do. So, yeah, rather, I mean, there are rather than like, taken a from, um, I was going to say a different name, but um, Clint Eastwood's costume in in the um, yeah Spaghetti Western series. Yeah, maybe, but but I, I don't think that was available at the time. No, no, because no, no, I mean, if you're talking about Clint Eastwood and Spaghetti Westerns, you're out by about thirteen years. Exactly. I mean, I think a Fistful of Dollars was sixty six or sixty seven. So. 11 or 12 years certainly so it's not that and, and i'm aware that like the 50s westerns weren't quite the same beast but yeah I, I i i've dreaded this review slightly we'll get through the show we'll get through the film we'll we'll you know have some laughs and all the rest of it 
but I've struggled with the idea conceptually of what I'd say about this film because nearly everything that happens in it, I'm like, so what? Uh, okay. I, I'm not that interested. Uh, all of it's going back to the past. I mean, they try and make some drama out of that, and him driving towards, you know, he's on like a, he's he's on like an outdoor cinema, and all the rest of it. We're skipping on a bit there, actually. We find out first um, that there's a grave that was dogs. Hmm. Yeah, they stumble upon Dot's gravestone and it's like, oh shit, you know, that's basically where mm. they find out that he gets killed, so that's where they make the decision to It's go very back. fortunate Graves back then had so much detail on how you died. <laughs> yeah. You know, shot in the back over the matter of $80, you know, buried Wasn't, wasn't that in the news, Clara? in like the, um, in the news um, item as well, like he's reading a newspaper and he's like, oh, that's next Monday, or, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah... But yeah, I think it's quite interesting how, but it is yeah, just, how you had that detail. You know, you know shot you it have that today. 11 whilst balls deep in Clara. We were quite, we were getting quite a bit of detail on this. <laughs> quite graphic. Um, it's, all, it's all set up really, isn't it? It, it is, is, but it's not as organic, is it? No. It's set off from very little payback. No, no, it's not. But, you know, it's. I think, I think by this time it is what it is. It is what it is. So, yeah, they... Basically, just go back to the future like no problem because he's still got the um, well, the the idea of like having the, the the power to go go to the future is all sorted with the the, the new charger thing, which basically just like yeah, you put food it's in diffusion. it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. I mean, it's just he should have just gone back to the future. It's just very very lucky that he happens to stand right on his gravestone, yeah, which is right by where it was buried. It's like. Yeah, they're they're creaking along at this point. They're struggling to like get it to work. But okay, he's got, he wants to go back to the past to stop him being shot by Buford Tannen, who's been nicely trailed in the second film. Mm. He's he's the Biff of the era, but a lot more dangerous because it was an era where seemingly murder wasn't quite as big a deal. No, he is very deadly in this film, and I think I, I'd much rather I'd be more scared of crossing Buford than I would Biff. I mean, Biff's a horrendous bully. Um, and it's like just the worst thing ever. Um, but I'm but then com- Buford, you think he's going to shut you up, you know? Yeah, well, I'm more comfortable with like introducing us to Buford, who's a killer, than trying to make Biff a killer. Mm. Yeah, because you understand it back in that time, you know, there was many people who would like that. That's so, it, isn't it? So someone like that would probably be like always challenging people to shootouts and... And people just be like, oh, fucking hell. You know, just, I just don't want to, don't fancy getting That'd shot. That'd be the grand order of the day, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are little touches there. Like, he is still a bit of an idiot, you know? <laughs> um, with, like, not sort of thinking about what what if I, what they say no. What? No. <laughs> um, That's quite funny. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's, like, part of him being... I don't know part of him being fickle, or just the film's just not really thinking it through, but him openly sort of saying, oh, aren't we robbing that thing? It's like, well, yeah, just tell everyone. You know, I just... Oh, oh what, we're going to commit a crime? Why aren't we just... On the show, just going to, like, sort of pounce on us, just, like, knowing where, what, what we're, exactly what we're doing. Yeah. It makes no fucking sense. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, well, well, yeah, where we are. So, yeah, so Marty goes... Essentially goes... Back in time? Back, is, it, is it 1885? He goes back to 1885 where accents are massively different. <laughs> and it's, it seems to be geographically somewhere very yeah. different indeed, but okay. I mean, he literally uh, wanted a horde of Indians after being promised there'll be no Indians there. Yes, because you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. 
which is again a bit of setup for the end of the film. It's not like these writers have suddenly lost their talent. I mean, they totally know how to set things up and pay them off. Yeah. But again, it's it's a studio throwing money at you and saying make another one up, and that's okay if you started off by just like making them up. Whereas Back to the Future was something more of a passion project. So yeah, it's not amazing. But he knocks himself out running away from the Indians. And the cavalry. Uh, and the cavalry. Um, and also the fuel line is shot. So he can't just like start the car again. So that's handy. Mm. Um, and we encounter one of the worst accents I've ever heard on film. <laughs> well, I think they're both. Fox, I, I think they're um, both pretty ropey. You know, I'm thinking of Michael J. Fox, but like Maggie McFly's no better. Yeah, they're both yeah, pretty shoddy. Like, I was reading about how they were accent coaches on set and they worked really hard, and I'm thinking, well, we we, we think it's far and away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> far and away was a Nicole Kidman Tom Cruise film from about 1992, where they couldn't do Irish accents either. I didn't think uh, I'd seen that one. Oh, you should. Whenever I think of the touchstone for bad accents for me tends to be Ewan McGregor. See, he's okay at Obi-Wan because that's less doing an accent and more doing an impression of somebody else. Yeah. But you watch him in most films. Sometimes he'll try and be like Cockney or American. I've heard him play Irish. The American accent's quite good, though, I think. It's fucking rubbish, Becca. It's okay. It's possible. But then I've, da- but then I've dated him. And I'm, well, I was about to say I've dated Americans. You've dated him, me, have you? Really? That, makes, that makes me sound like a right man about town. I've dated <laughs> an American. And I've known quite a lot of Americans. I was, I was engaged and, to American at one point. And, and, and he's dated Hugh McGregor. Hang on a minute. Shut up. Becca was giving, giving, about to give us some, some detail. She doesn't <laughs> talk about herself very much. You were American. I was. <laughs> Were you? H- had you met him? Yes. This, this wasn't just, you know, her pen Really? No, I studied abroad um, and bumped into a chap there. And I, really st- I, studied, a bit. I studied abroad myself. Well, several broads, actually. <laughs> <But I'm>... Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta cram them in. Wait, where, where do you study? Um, in Wisconsin, at Eau Claire. Pants! It's actually very good. It's meant to be one of the top universities in the country. I don't know if that was the case about a decade why, ago. Why, I don't, I don't why, why do I not know this about you, Becca? Like, okay. <laughs> what, what were you studying? I didn't know she went over there as part of a degree. I did know that. Actually. Yeah, it was. Um... But I didn't realise she was all over there, men folk. <laughs> well, just the one, actually. <laughs> he must have been knackered if he weren't spreading it around and stuff. <laughs> it was a bit like American Pie, you know. Did, did, really? he, did he love your accent? Did he go, oh, hey? Did he love your pie? <laughs> I mean, literally, they, it was literally like, oh, I love your accent. It's like, oh, Christ, really? Um, no, so, yeah, they we do. Were... It's bizarre. They do. They love I went it. there about three years ago, Oklahoma, right? And I, I am not a good looking man. I don't mean to do myself down, but I'm not particularly. Oh, right. yeah. I'm overweight. Yeah. Thank you very much. My eyes are, are tremendously soulful, I'll admit. But um, I'm, I'm overweight and balding and all of those sorts of things, right? And I went into everywhere I went, anywhere that wasn't touristy. They hang on your every word. And there was one place I went. I think it, it was a bar. And we ate at this bar. Now, the first thought when this was going on was, it must be tips. It must be that they want tips. But then I was looking around. And she wasn't treating anyone else the same way. And I didn't look. 
any richer than anywhere else. Literally, because you're you're British or English and you like, have the accent. This, this was 2015. I was 38. <laughs> she was on a break from university, right? Now, she was selling alcohol, so she must have been 21. It wasn't Hooters, was it? But I was sat where there with my then-girlfriend, right? <gasps> and I'm, I'm hurtling towards middle age. And as I say, not a fantastically good-looking bloke, I wouldn't say. And she's so there, so 21 years of age, and I swear, she giggled at everything I said and was continually sort of touching her hair and <laughs> <laughs> at everything I said. And she walked away at one point, and I just remember saying to the person I was with, fucking hell, that's a bit over the top, isn't it? And it's, it's purely the accent. But the problem is, right, it goes to your head. The first day you're like, it's not me, it's the accent, right? And you and you just like you're quite humble about it. By day three, you're wandering in places going, Aren't I fucking sexy, right? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and then and then I go on like a weekend trip to like New Orleans. Which oh, was God. great. I really loved New Orleans, right? But the diff- the problem was New Orleans is much, much more touristy. So they're much more used to people like me. Yeah, so I, I walked into a bar there, tried to put on my best sort of, you know, deep Fraser Crane inspired, you know, soulful voice. <laughs> and no one cared. I was no. so disappointed. I lost my erection immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, like, I th- I, to, to, to start like thinking like your ego is bigger. I think part of that is like you are aware that that's going to be shit when you go back home. So you, so partly I'm going to make the most of it while I can. We do our our Christmas commentary next week, right? And I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for that sexy on the wrong continent story. Sexy on the wrong continent. Because honestly, right, I I went over there and like everyone, right, she would introduce me to people she worked with, and I mean straight males, right? This is my British boyfriend. I'd walk away to get in my car or something or her car. And she'd come and join me because maybe she had to say goodbye or swap some work with them or something. She'd get in the car and you'll still say, do you know what he just said? And I'd go, what? And she'd say, hey, that Dave's a charming dude. Right? <laughs> charming and I got, dude. That. I got that everywhere I went. Oh, Everyone was like, he's lovely. charming, he's great, he's funny. Right. And then you go anywhere that's either British or very touristy. And I'm not, I promise. <laughs> it, turns, oh. it turns out I'm not as charming as I thought I was. No, you're very charming. No, I found the same as well. Obviously, got like Wisconsin Eau Claire. They, I mean, they do have a lot of English British students as well from all over the globe. Um, whilst we were there, there was a lone student from Australia. He'd come a very long way from home um, to to do a stint there. From Australia, um, in fact. All that way, and but yeah, going to more touristy places like we went to like Chicago for a while. Went to New York for a while. Did a couple of trips. Um, even somewhere like the Mall of America, where like everybody from across the whole United States goes there. And so you come from somewhere that's kind of a bit more out of the tourist destination mm-hmm. um, and then somewhere that's more on the tourist trail. And they're like, oh, so where in England are you from? Oh, right. And yeah, you're just you're suddenly not that amazing. It's like, oh, and, uh, um, and then you come back home. Unless you don't, if you went there first. Oh, yeah, right. definitely. But you go the place where you're like, everyone hangs on you everywhere. The other thing is, while I was there, a couple of nights later, in the very same bar, we played like Cards Against Humanity, right? Which is, And it's the oh, only time I've ever played that game. And I've never one-sidedly routed a group of people at anything as I did at this game. Uh, and it's because, like, to them, the British are hilarious, <laughs> right? So everything I chose was, like, the funniest thing really in the funny, world yeah. to these people. 
Now, I know I do vaguely comedic podcasts, but I'm not a comedian, but you'd think I fucking well was over there. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Sometimes it, it can be like the way you pronounce things. Um, like, I think, you'll find, I think you'll find that's blocks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's quite funny because we we're, tr- were getting out to read like English words that they don't have. Like, obviously, pants it means like over here it just means like pants, underwear. Whereas in America, it can, it can mean you know, trousers. And then you have just pants, which is hilarious. And the words like ladies underwear like knickers they found hilarious so we're like oh knickers because they don't pronounce it like that that's the only thing right i thought it was fantastic i I don't i don't mean to get too lewd here but obviously i've been intimate with a lady you can never be too lewd no i've been intimate with a lady over there right i I did very well you'll be proud of me i represented the country well i should hope so Uh, yeah (laughs) 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 did did, did, did you say before doing it you go like this is for england (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm going to do for my country Keep, keeping the British end up I do wish there'd been an occasion to say that when I was flying home like but Dave I need you so, <laughs> so it's England right? but um, oh, my God. you go to do like a bit of like not dirty talk necessarily but you, you go to like talk and then you stop yourself because you think if I say knickers now, will she fall about laughing? Because <laughs> I don't know if that's a word here or not. Yeah, you do have to be careful. I mean, sometimes there was a... Because I, I had a little job um, working in the front desk at, at my um, halls of residence, and there were some words I'm like, what does that mean? Like, people come and say, oh, can I have can I have this or can I have that? And I'd be like, uh, sorry, uh, some another student's got it. Cause I, I just didn't know what it was. Because Chris, Chris or I could have told you what this and that means. They're quite... Well... <laughs> Common words. <laughs> I don't like that, obviously not common words, but words. Um, I, I can't actually remember what it was, but it was like some cooking utensil that spatula. No, it wasn't spatula. It was, it was something, something quite. I don't know what it was. Um, a spork. Was, I'd be no spork, good. I'd be no good. I'd be no good. A spork. We got sporks here. Spoon yeah, we have sporks over here. But do you have yeah. norks? But the thing is, yeah, I was going to say they're also knives and forks. So why not norks? Right. Anyway. Well, they had no, I don't think we, that's not a good idea because like you're eating the food and it, surely it would shave the inside of your cheek. You off do or forget something. what's important though when you're dealing with their language because I was a, I, you know I remember watching I think it was Age of Ultron where Tony Stark made a crack about the Hulk and fucking Black Widow and how they were playing hide the zucchini mm. and instead of laughing at that joke I just felt the need to go I think you'll find it's cool shit. I think you'll find it's cool. <laughs> yeah I think you'll find it's cool. Thank you very much. Or eggplant. But again, that's not what we call it. But yeah, there's the whole kind of, you know, tomato, tomato sort of thing. And so, yeah, when we, you know, went to go and order a sub or something like that, we said, oh, can we have tomato? Because they didn't, when we said tomato, they were like, what? I was like, oh, so frustrating. But no, I do, I do think that it's, it's very interesting, even though, you know, we're two countries separated by the common language. We have nothing that in goes. common. That, that's the point. Common, because, yeah. Because we've got the same language. People talk about the special relationship, but we have so much more in common with like a France or Germany. We just do. Well, we're totally different. Sure. So yeah, well, I mean, he goes, but he goes straight back to the past. He's on the McFly farm, and the accents are awful. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. awful. <laughs> Off the record. I just suddenly remembered we, we we started this from talking about far and away. <laughs> we <just went> on. <laughs> um, so yeah, Christ. I mean, look. I think we talked about this for like every every person in the McFly family now has to look at Michael J. Fox. You know, I thought when I when when I saw this. Like on this this food, wouldn't it just be a really nice uh, opportunity to to show like little what's the um, not say respect, but maybe audiences wouldn't notice at the time. 
but if this was um oh fucking hell I've I've got his name now uh Crispin Glover no no uh the original my Oh, what, Eric Stoltz? Yeah, if he got met Eric oh, Stoltz. That would make more sense from the fact that he's a redhead and it's an Irish background. But it just just as a, t- just a touch of like, yeah, you know what, sorry. We, and, you know. I, and I would back Eric Stoltz to be able to do a better accent than Michael J. Fox managed. Be, be, because it's just like, well, not everyone has to look like fucking Marty. And you, you kind of go, yeah, well, he's kind of similar enough. And it'd be a nice sort of, sort of nod to like, you know, of like, okay, sorry you, you didn't, but at least have this role. And, you know, at least you are part of the mythology and it's something that fans can look back over years. I think that would have been a really nice touch. I think it's a shame didn't take that opportunity. But there you go. Because also, Crispin Clover wasn't going to come back because, you know, what happened. But, but again, it, no, it becomes... All, about him at the end of the show. But it becomes an in-joke, doesn't it? Yeah. So what, what's your in-joke there? He's the guy that we fired... Or he wasn't good enough. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, think so. I don't think Eric Stoltz would want anything to do with it. Maybe, maybe. It was just like a nice idea for, oh, that'd be kind of cool, but no. And and we don't get to see Michael J. Fox doing Irish accent with a mm. ropey beard. Good. Oh, no. It's funny because I just um, thinking about... How about you have? Just thinking about recastings. I was watching... Uh, we were talking about the uh, Somewhere in Time school before we went on air. Christopher Plummer's in that film. And I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be a bit better if that was, like, Kevin Spacey now? Mm, <laughs> Just reverse engineer it the other way. So, yeah, their running jokes appear to be the water. Uh, the water is filthy. I kind of like uh, that. I yeah, kind of like gross, that guy. The chicken has got, is full of pellets from where they shot it. Um, he meets the first book by Born in America, who he'd seen in the book later, William. Who, funnily enough, looks like Michael J. Fox. Mm, bizarre. I'm tired of this series by this point. I just think like that wasn't funny in the second film. It's really not funny here. You get you get the, you get the repeat of the gag of like it waking up for, to his mum. Almost like you. Yeah. It's all kind of repeating the same stuff. I mean, yeah. They're uh, out of ideas. They really are, aren't they? Well, I kind of, I can kind of go with it if they're saying like, yeah, but history repeats itself. So it's, but I, you know, I can kind of go with that one as well. It's just like, okay, think of something new. You can't just like keep going with the same old things over again, even if you are hanging on to that idea of Marty keep going into these situations and the same stuff keeps happening to some degree. You know, there's no variation. It's the same film rinse and repeat. Yeah. No, Biff, so, yeah. Biff at some point will, you know... Get They'll have a chase around the town yeah, where he'll sort of get away by the skin of his teeth and so on. And Biff will land in a manure and something and, and such and such. So, um, so yes. So he goes into town, finds find stuff, goes into... We'll basically get like the diner scene, but in a, in, a, in, a, in a saloon bar. Yeah, Biff thinks it's his relative at first. Yeah. Um, and then he he makes the mistake of calling him Mad Dog, which obviously he doesn't like being called Mad Dog. Which he's got off the video. Yeah. So it's just a it's a very innocent mistake, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You you wouldn't. I mean, even if you just heard of it, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know you wouldn't like it. You'd be like, oh, wait, sorry, I didn't know, I didn't realize. Um, and then he does the uh, the moonwalk. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear you're thrilled by this. 
I'm not thrilled by any of this. I was always bored all the way along because I just I don't I can't even figure out the method by which he ended up moonwalking. It's just odd. That was a bit strange. He, he, yeah, he, 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 he shoots at him while asking him to dance so he doesn't even walk. Yeah, it's not the sort of dancing I'd do if someone was firing no. his feet. Um, but it, it's effectively just leading us straight to a reprise where it's leading us to two things. It's a way to get Doc's attention so he can meet Doc, but it's also this film's rhyming with the first two where he's chased by the tannin around the square. Yeah. And... Yeah, and then they get saved by Doc, who is, who like, lev- oh, like you know, ugh, can't say that again. And we meet Doc, who, uh, Lord and behold, is an excellent crack shot. He can shoot a fucking yeah. rope. Who knew that? Oh, yeah. It's a gadget, though, isn't it? It's a, it's a gadget. He's got um, a scope. Yeah. yeah, he's got a scope on it. Yeah, yeah, but still, like you, you know, a scope's give you aim, but you wouldn't necessarily still hit it because uh, you know a gun's an actual gun. It'll It'll, it'll knock as soon as you hit, hit the um, the trigger. But, okay. maybe, but maybe I'm thinking too technically about these sort of things. Yeah, you probably are. The whole point, the film is telling us Doc can hit it from that distance because he's an inventor. The film's telling us it's the gun. Yeah, It's the gun. It's his skill, but because it's the gun science. he's invented. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, the aforementioned stuff where Michael J. Fox was nearly hanged. Hmm. Um, but it just gets him back to Doc. Uh, Doc, he has to explain to Doc why he's there and there is mention of Clara and at this point Doc doesn't know Clara even no, though like, he's like three, three I think he died on something like September the 5th and went back on the 1st or something like that he's about four days from death and still hasn't met her no yeah which is kind of weird because it's it, doesn't it say like his love or something yeah but okay so <laughs> But you know, maybe that's just how they read it. In the, read it in the in the old west, you know. As soon as they, as soon as they meet someone, it's like, yeah, that's the love of his life. Um, yeah. Yes, because she wants red Jules Verne. <laughs> that's <laughs> what gets my blood pumping. Very sexy, you know. So much so that he names his boys Jules and Verne. <laughs> yeah. Let, 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 let's not talk about Jules and Verne later. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're. I know what you're getting at. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so the yeah the uh, Marcy explains himself, and he's like, okay, well, if I'm going to die, well, I might as well get back to you. What? Uh, where's the time machine? Uh, well, it's uh, the the, pe- the petrol tank's kind of fucked. Ah. Oh. So they try to. They first they try to do it by horses. Uh, then they try to. You put alcohol, which kind of blows the engine, and then they come up with the idea of horse, horse and car, don't they? No, not yeah. horse and car. Sorry, the uh, get the idea of like doing it by train. The fact I said yes to horse and car, and it wasn't remotely horse and <laughs> no. car, suggests you could have said like, you know, vibrator, and I'd have gone, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I'm literally going by memory here now because I watched it yesterday. Uh, so, and that's where they meet Clara. Yeah. Um, now, there's a ravine called Clayton Flat. Ravine yeah. in the 1900s, in the 1980s. Now, it's a story. It's, again, it's another retcon just for this. Well, not a retcon because we've had no information on this before. But it's a new piece of information for this film. 
Clayton Ravine was named after a school teacher who went off that ravine in 1885. So uh, it turns out that saving her stops that being Clayton Ravine because it was named after her. It was originally like an Indian name or a Native American name. It was shown as mm. Ravine, I think. Yeah. So okay, so so wouldn't I? Is this why I get kind of get confused with the time? Like, so if that was always meant to happen, then why why? So Clay, Clayton Veen wouldn't exist then if she was love of Doc's life then, because they would have met there. Actually, no. They they were going to meet another time, but the Doc called it off. Is that right? I'm I'm overthinking this now, aren't I? No, I can't remember is the truth. Okay. I I I I I think I think they'll schedule. I think to he meet. was meant to meet me or at the station or something. Yeah, and he decides, well, no, because I'm not going to risk it. For, no. That's right, and then yeah. he ends up saving her from the ravine. Yeah. It, so it may well have been she'd gone off there a few days later or something. Bear in mind, it was called Clayton Ravine before Doc ever went back there. Marty, it, Doc only went back to 1885. We haven't done enough of this fucking like screwing ourselves up over the timeline during this series, folks. So I'm sorry, listeners. Um, but yeah, it was called um, Clayton Ravine from the 1800s, you would have thought, or soon after, whenever they gave it a name or decided to name it after this teacher. But Marty knows it from his lifetime. So the 70s and 80s is when he learned about it and he says all the, the school teachers told you about it and all the rest of it. Yeah. From Doc going back there. He's in 1955 the whole time, and it's only really a night. Doc goes back there uh, in uh, at, at night, basically one night, November 12, 1955. He goes back to the to, to 1985, uh, and Marty follows him back in the morning. So there hasn't been enough time to find out what it's called. So Doc, Mark, Doc going back there hasn't necessarily. Uh, stopped it being renamed. He may have saved Clara, and it might well have been, had Marty gone straight back to 1985 instead of back to save Doc, he would have found that it was called Shonash Ravine because Marty will have, uh, Doc will have saved Clara. Yeah. Yeah. So his existence in 1885 stopped it being called that. Marty's existence in the past has obviously stopped it, uh, as leads to it being called something else. Okay. Which is still, I suppose, by the end of the film, it could technically be called that because I th- you'd assume that everyone assumes that she died from the train, so hence it yeah. still would have been. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Clay. but I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if that's, I, I, you know, that, that's assuming something. But um, also, one of the things I, I thought about, and I'm gonna go back on this, when Marty's explaining things to Doc, wouldn't Doc remember because he did it? Because bear in mind, this is in Doc's future, not in the in terms of time, but in terms of his personal time journey. It's, it's, it was his past who sent him there. So he'd be like, oh shit, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you got the sort of wave effect of things taking time. Okay. Bear in mind, Doc goes back there. He is the extrapolation of a future from a Doc that didn't, that didn't send Marty back. Marty was sent back afterwards. I know in time... He's younger, but it's an extrapolation of Marty finding out that Doc has gone back in time. No, it's all very confusing. I just think if I say it kind of quickly, it'll sound all right. 
Yeah. <laughs> It'll sound like, no, no, he, he's, he's going at it with gusto. I think he knows what he's trying to say. Fair enough. Um, so, so they say, Clara, they pretty much follow. I, do, I, 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 I suggest, Austin, you pay no attention to this. And that goes for you, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they say, Clara, they fall in love pretty much straight away. What, Marty and Doc? Yes. No, no. Uh, Cla- that wasn't Clara. expected, was it? <laughs> no. Yeah, the, uh, yeah the, the, there's a reason why they haven't done Back to the Future 4 yet. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, they... they yeah, you know, dot force for Clara, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're kind of a cute couple, in a kind of sweet way. They kind of work. I think I think Christopher Lloyd is actually really good here, in, in the film, generally. But... What I like about um, Christopher Lloyd in this is it's almost like Doc hasn't just loved or lost or got to the age and had failed relationships. He tells me he's never been in love before. This is this is really new to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's you know they sort of sense like the puppy dog kind of mentality as well, and also you kind of get a sense that it's, it's new to her to some degree. Like she's never found someone that's really kind of she's never really been interested in. She's probably had offers, but never really kind of connected with. Obviously, never wear Jules Verne. Clearly not. No. <laughs> No, I like the fact Chris is saying she's probably had offers. Chris has an idea in his head how that went. Mm. Would you like to elaborate? No. Can I, can I see oh. your ravine? <laughs> Quite literally. No. Uh, so, oh. uh, where, where, where do we go from here? My, my memory is just going now. Is it all just Clara, Clara, Clara stuff now? Well, at this point, I tend to go and make a cup of tea. Is it, uh, don't they go to that dance Thing. She turns up at the uh, that uh, doc's workshop. Yeah, they do. Um, yes, she turns up to fix her telescope. Yes, and that's not euphemism. I don't know what is. But by now <laughs> yeah. they've agreed. They've, they've agreed they can get back. They've worked out they can get to the back to the future by train, with a bit of help from technology. But it, they won't be able to do it till Monday. They've got to go the weekend because I think it's Thursday at this point. <laughs> Um, they go to so he says it wouldn't hurt to go to this dance. Yeah. But see, when they go to that dance, Buford believes he's old, owed eighty dollars by Doc uh, to do with the way he shooed a horse or something. Uh, and he threatens to shoot him at this, but there's lots of I mean, setup and payoff is not as smooth here. It's still there. You go well. That sets up that point. But they they make it very very obvious um, that it would be it could be three or four days that he takes to die. In other words, we know he doesn't die till the Monday, but he could still be shot here. So it's it's the film trying to add some tension, in. not entirely successfully. And we've got frisbee jokes and shooting jokes and ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Z, Z, who knew ZZ Top were actually that old? Uh, and the guy from uh, and the guy from the railroad in um, what's the film? Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Yeah, that guy. I recognise ZZ Top, and then I recognise him. Get no kick from champagne. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, I was really of an angel, I, guys. I like, the, um, I like the frisbee thing as well because that was actually the origins of frisbee. There was a frisbee company, um, and it was something to do with like their pie dishes being thrown around in like Ivy League. Um, college campuses, and obviously that led that sort of 
led to the um, invention of the frisbee as we know it today. But again, it's it's the film going well. He invented rock and roll, so maybe involves frisbeeing as well. It's, this is it. You're kind of following the similar sort of beats to the first film. The thing is, right? Sequels aren't inherently bad. We've had some wonderful sequels over the last few years. So name them. It, well, even if I, <laughs> if I go, what do you mean name them? There's fucking so many. I know, I'm joking. I'm just but I mean, off the top of my head, Winter Soldier's probably the best Marvel film, and it isn't yes. the first in any one of those that series. It's not no, the first I, I was Marvel film. Yeah. It's not the no. first Captain America film. It's not the first film with Black Widow in it. Whichever way you want to look at that film, it's not its first. So it, it's not that it is a sequel, but I think it's... You could look at the first one where he says, Marty, we've got to do something about your kids, right? But I, 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 I think you could look at that and go, well, of course there's a sequel in that. But now I look at it, I think, well, most of the films that have got sequels that, that either beat or join the original in quality were set up to be franchises anyway, or they were very easy to franchise. Back to the Future was a singular thing, like And It's a Wonderful Life. To suddenly come up with a sequel, even from the same people and the same, you know, actors, creatives and everything else. I, the sequels tell me there was never designed to be a sequel. Yeah. Because the first one was that perfect. Um, I mean, they, they, if they had, they would have put some thought in it or at least. There's I mean, nothing about all that stuff in the first film that you go, well, this is their, no, this is going no. to be their um, formula. Well, if it doesn't if, feel like for me. I, I think the best thing, if if you were going to do a sequel, you you wouldn't just pick up from uh, the first film. You would just like assume that's what's already happened and and pick up on a completely a different story. Later. Yeah, you just yeah. do a completely different story, um, and then you, you can work work out a film that that would probably work and be. And this and time, be Dot better. is nobbing the Matahari. <laughs> I haven't thought that through. No. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Biff, you know, comes in, tries to be a jerk, you know, try, tries to sort of steal a dance of Clara, always acting a little bit rapey, a little bit. And, very, very, very And rapey. then tries to shoot um, Doc, and then Marty comes in with a frisbee, saves him, and then he gets ends up getting in a, arranging a draw with uh, uh, Mad Dog. And yeah, so basically now we have like that deadline thing where he, he has to meet Biff um, for a draw, uh, which he's hoping to get off. Meaning he'll be out; he'll be already out of town by then. By then, yeah, um, it's uh, eight eight thirty or something like that. Yeah, <coughs> but it's the chicken thing again. Although in this film it's yellow, which is mm. basically a reference to the color of chicken shit. I think I think that's what yellow is. So it's the same sort of thing. And it's just like. Well, this was stupid in the second one. It's really fucking stupid here. But they were shot at the same time. and that, That's the problem that back-to-back can work. But the one thing with back-to-back, obviously, is you've got no time for course correction. <clears throat> it's like when you get... Um, it's like when you get yearly sort of video game franchises. Mm. They're already making the next year one by the time they release the current year one. And it's the same here that I, I think that... <clears throat> certainly if this had been made now and let's say you had the internet um, I'd, you'd left say 12 months um, I think feedback from the second one they'd have, they'd have dropped the whole chicken thing 
Yeah, it depends on what the feedback was at the time. I mean, maybe fans weren't like that negative about it or specific, um, specifically about the chicken bit. They might have just been distracted by other stuff. Yeah, that was a little bit too much information there. I was like, mm. Well, but, um, we found out over time that the second one doesn't have a wonderful reputation. No. Yeah, let me just look the two. Let me just look. The, I'll look at Bob Zemeckis. Actually, that's probably the easiest. I'll look him up on Rotten Tomatoes and see what the scores for these three films are. Now, of course, they're going to be uh, from a much smaller sample because of when it was. But hopefully, we'll get some sort of feel for uh, how popular or how well regarded the sequels were. Let me just have a look a second. Okay, so back to the future. Yeah, not brilliant. Back to the future's got ninety six percent, which uh, you just think who gave that a negative review? I just think uh, what were they looking for? Were they complaining they didn't get oral sex while they watched it? I mean, <laughs> how much better could this? Yeah, Sheila Benson of the LA Times said it's big, cartoonish and empty with an interesting premise that is underdeveloped and overproduced. That's about the first one. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. So th that's that one. The second one has 63%, the third one has 74 So the two sequels aren't wildly well regarded. Particularly no. when you think the first one is such a classic. 63 is like... It is like Spectre versus Casino Royale in quality. Yeah. My main problem with the third one is that I'm just kind of bored by it. I'm not that interested because I quite like the odd Western. Um, but this doesn't feel like a Western. It feels like a theme park. Yeah, it is a little bit kind of... It, it does have that theme park tone, doesn't it? It's very. It's like a sort of a hyper Western, I guess, like hyper real Western. Well, it doesn't really feel like a western. I mean, I know what Dave's saying it is more of a theme park, but I, I'd, I'd say it's more. You kind of lose the western element. You don't really get that much flavour for it. You could argue that's to the film's credit, as you just get engrossed with the story. Uh, you don't sort of just throw in a bunch of western tropes. Yeah, it's the, it's just the background so much. Kind of, but uh, there is not much story though. Um, what? What? It doesn't massively use its setting. No, not really. I mean, it means largely like the love story. It's more like, more like the love story in the conundrum for Doc. Really, that's that's largely the the big driving part. Uh, and of the that film. Could, that could just as easily have been like Victorian London. Yeah, I'm not saying it should have been because they always say that it, they they made it that you travel in time, not in place. He said because it's really weird time traveling, and you're in like. New York, and then suddenly you're in medieval England. Yeah, that would be a dimension though, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, so I, I get that, that's fine, but I mean, on that logic, Earth is moving anyway, Earth isn't remotely in the place it was, but okay, that's fine. But in terms of what you take from the setting for from the story, then yes, I would suggest that Clara is kind of 19th century, I think that that's fair enough, but... There's nothing really that specific about the Western setting apart from the preponderance of guns. But to be honest, guns are not difficult to get hold of in that country anyway. So, not really. 
I mean, I can understand. That goes state by state, but obviously. Well, no, yeah. it doesn't. It's it's the first. It's the Second Amendment right. Some places are easier than others, but no. It, the fact is, you are allowed guns, and if you go back to this kind of era, you'd certainly be allowed guns. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. The kind of more lawless times. The point yeah. I'm trying to make is though that uh, it would only be a plot point in a country where perhaps those things have changed over time. So you think, oh, we're definitely in a more lawless era here. Like, I don't know, 18th century England had a load of guns or something, which I don't think is true, but could be. I don't know. Whereas here, I, I think all I'm trying to say is it doesn't really use its setting that well. You, I mean, I think part of the problem is this was like, this was like the last third of the, the original script, wasn't it? This like of, the, of, a, of a three-hour film. So it's just kind of like embellished that to a, for, to a certain degree, haven't they? Uh, where do we go from here? So we basically get like the the romance. It is basically just the romance between um, Clara and Doc. We don't get much else. Um, we've already oh we already met the uh, Strickland, the sheriff. Yeah. Who uh, teaches his son discipline? Is that meant to be the head, or is that meant to be his the head's dad? I think it's his granddad. Yeah, yeah. I was saying it's his granddad, isn't it? But yeah, I was like, oh Strickland. There again. is a deleted scene where you see him with, with uh, I think Strickland's. Dad, because it cannot be the younger Strickland. That wouldn't work. No, that would be. I just suppose it could be as a boy. No, but he'd be retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk. No, he's like, oh, this discipline. is you know, um, oh, discipline. Remember that son? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's quite interesting. That's a nice nod. He's remember discipline, and he says, yeah. "Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I was also more summit. Yeah, discipline and no, but a fly ever amounts to nothing. This is all killing time now. Doc is in love, and the rest of this film now, right up until they, they try to get back to back to the future, is uh, the debate over whether Doc should pursue this or leave it alone, because he's yeah. clearly in love with her. Uh, yeah, so I think yeah, they come to the point where like Doc decides, right, I need to call the eggs, I'm going to travel back in time. So he tries to find a way, he ends up telling the truth. She... She thinks he's lying and sort of basically sort of gives gives him a a slap in the face and calls him like she you know at least she could have just said you didn't love me you would have been you at least you would have been honest yeah so she gets so she she gets on the train next day to get, to go somewhere dark gets really sad and sort of stands at the bar with one drink in his hand uh, which by the way dark can't drink we. No, I we find that, yeah. Uh, but he'd he'd stood there like monologuing all night, yeah. Because <laughs> <clears throat> it was how many as he had. Well, that was the first one. <laughs> Very cartoonish, but kind of funny. Yeah, I was just like, was it twenty four hours? This, but this salute, Jesus Christ. Seems uh, to be. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So Doc drinks, he passes out, and lo and behold, it. Mad Dog's early. Because he's like, oh, well, I can't keep time, so fuck it, I'm here. Uh, so he's basically calling him out. Um, he decide, he he gets goaded by everyone else, but then decides, no, he's a fucking arsehole, if what? And then, so he's, he has a grand idea of challenging him to a fist fight. And then he just gets shot. Yeah, there is a call back to... The second film, yeah. Yeah. 
Because when Biff is in the hot tub with two women in the alternate 1985, he's watching A Fistful of Dollars. And if you ever see A Fistful of Dollars, um, Bruce, the same, Bruce, I've done it again. Bruce? Remember when I got Bruce Forsyth and Clint Eastwood mixed up, as you would do? <laughs> I did it again. Bruce. Bruce. Oh, God bless Bruce. God bless Bruce. He, he, he was marvellous on <laughs> in the outlawed Josie Wales. <laughs> Did. So, um, yeah, there's there's the same bulletproof vest plot point in that that he comes out to face someone, gets shot, and that's it. And uh, yeah, and then so he stands over, but Marty jumps back to life and then uh, beats him up. He basically just like just just keeps punching him, and then um, yeah, and then he falls in the manure and then gets arrested for stealing the. Uh, well, doing that robbery, and in the and also for stagecoach infl- robbery, yeah, yeah, and also in the delete scene for shoot the sheriff as well because that's that's what actually happened. Uh, but that was cut for the film, so there you go. Um, and then, yeah, it's basically sort of back they go on the train, they rob a train, and they set up the uh, the DeLorean. Uh, but uh, Clara finds out, but overheard about. Doc mon- monologuing how he's heartbroken and whatnot inside. Monologuing again. Yeah, and then and then goes, I'm gonna go and find him, and then she rides on the train, and then gets stuff in danger. Dave's loving this, isn't he? Carry on, I'm listening. You're, you're telling a, such a wonderful story. <laughs> should, should, we, should we get should we go, go back to talking about um, how accents work in America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk about the time loads of fit women liked me, <laughs> just because I was British. Well, well, basically, what happens is Clara gets in trouble. Mark used to have a hoverboard to give to Doc. Doc saves Clara. Mark goes back in time, and then, and then, Mark, then Marty kind of lands on the railroad, and then nearly gets hit by a train, destroying the DeLorean, which is kind of convenient for him because it means he doesn't have to. Uh, also. Um, do trains ever stop in moments like this? Like they've just collided with a vehicle. Yeah, just keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are they not protocols or something like that? You know, shit. Um, it's the like insurance and shit things like that, and the dock damage to the train. And you know, um, anyway. No. Yeah. He... No. 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 It's not a problem, Chris. Don't worry about it. <laughs> These things know. happen, and we're all pretty cool about it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, everything's all. He go, goes to find uh, Elizabeth Shue, who has basically just been forgotten about the entire franchise. And, yeah, yeah, she's, uh, basi- she's basically been on like a little outside sofa. Yeah, she yeah, clearly <laughs> for three films or whatever Crushing. it is. She 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 pulls out like a a sheet that says you're fired that fades away because oh no that's after needles pops up after we was after the whole needles thing yeah of like oh yeah we're supposed to know you but we really don't um and then challenge him to a, a game of chicken and then he finally learns his lesson um and rather than not race him he decided to at race high backwards. speed reverse like he could have just like. He could have flipped that car as well, the way he turned. And, backwards. I mean, he could have just, like, sort of, like, nudged to go forward just a little bit and just let him go off. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have made any difference. But he could have, like, I thought, okay, that's 
still kind of wrecked my Sparty. He kind of like he could have reversed into something <laughs> or someone. That could have gone badly wrong. Yeah, it could have done. But you know, but the point being, he he was going to have a car crash. Um, I'm not sure what that how that car crash would have impacted everything else. So he didn't seem to have any injuries in the future when he went there. So it wasn't like... Well, he um, couldn't play the guitar, could he, when he had the crash? Was that it? No. It was something to do with his hand. He messed his hand up. Oh, okay. Yes, so obviously if he reversed, the worst thing is he might have messed his arsehole up. And it, that would have been like <laughs> his gay porn career finished. All right, um, so, so Marty's going to be a rock star. Okay, fine. Um, well, we don't know that he's going to be a rock star. We know that it's that he definitely won't be if he has that accident. Yeah, I mean the the film ends with, um, we the future's now for you to make what you what you can of it. And I like that message. I like. I'll, I mean, like, well, dead yeah, Doc comes back after uh, making a, another time machine. Uh, God, God knows a why or how. Yeah, yeah, I know. Not like you, you've stayed there and settled with the one you love, and you know time travel's fairly dangerous. But you know, it's like, oh, what the heck? Just like him re- reading that note that he's, that he was adamant not to read. It's like, oh, no, I'll build up a time machine. Clearly, how? how? <laughs> like how? Like even, oh, no. like given how like everything that that it took to build that machine relied on stuff you need from the future. I don't. I... Ah, it's always easier the second time, probably, or summit. And, and wouldn't you choose uh, something else rather than a fucking train? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, big steam train. I don't know. It a just bus. seems, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and we and we meet Jules and Vern. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wonder where and, they got that idea and, from. And, and, is, and is it is it Fern who's like the really creepy looking because he, he comes on the screen? The one that points at his knob. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like pointing that way. It's like. Urgh. Yeah, he he points at his knob. Because as soon, as soon as he comes on, he has this kind of like menacing sort of like look on his face as if to say, "I'm going to fuck up this production with something." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tried to have a look to see if the kids were famous or if they appeared in anything later on, and not really. I don't think either of them. I I didn't recognise them unfortunately. Um. I was trying to look for fun facts, and I thought, oh, so and so, one of these actors came on, went, you know, went on to become so and so in this film, but not really. Uh, I, I, I don't think that kid ever worked uh, in Hollywood again after he did that. No, it was probably quite, quite a young age. So, fame and, and youth generally, you know, don't go well together. But what, what was he trying to do? I mean, the big theory is he was meant to um, say he needs a toilet or something. <laughs> That's the theory. Oh. Maybe, yeah. He was like, I gotta go, but it didn't really work out. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, so I do like the end message, you know, sort of like the the future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one. I do, I, you know, a lot like that. And then... Um, yeah, so it's a nice kind of um, moral, I guess, to end on. And then, yeah, that's that's the end. It, it says the end and we're done. And uh, that's, that's the future. And Dave's thrilled. I, I think it, it it's wonderful how this series that ended in 1985 was so good. And, and yeah, and also imagine like in nineteen ninety, my thought of going to nineteen eighty five must feel so dated. Because I I I don't know. I'm trying to think five years back. I don't see if it has been that dated. But but no. But that's when you were a kid. 
when you go, he finally gets back to 1985. As a kid, you're like, yeah, but that's ages ago. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I don't know. Something about like the whole vibe of the 80s just seemed vastly different. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's just me. Maybe. Maybe it's just you. And uh, yeah, that's that's back to the feature three days. Uh, I I think it's fair to say, I've I've, I've never loved Quentin Tarantino more. <laughs> well, I'm I'm ready to start talking about some Richard Curtis. Really. Yes, right. that's going to be the next uh, thing we record, isn't it? Or... The Blackadder, a three-hour yes. commentary of season one. <laughs> oh my god, that would be immense. No, it wouldn't. First uh, season... season one is, is okay, but like season okay. two is even when it all kind of right. up. But yeah, yeah. it be the smell of a sweet one. We could do all 12 hours if you want. I mean... <laughs> we'll be doing Red Dwarf eventually. It was only better when... I'm not of Red Dwarf. No, not all of them, just some of them. Just back and forth. <laughs> I, um, I, I guess I, we could be bought for that sit whole seasons we could do marathon podcasts but that would cost a lot of money yeah we'd have to do um, like finish drives like, like um, now playing Chris, are you announcing the 2017 do you expect us to talk Christmas Day commentary oh, 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 are we announcing it or should we leave it a surprise it's got us somewhat close. Okay. Mm. What, Chris, what Richard Curtis product is set at Christmas? Uh, about time, which is no. I ain't watching that. I fucking sob. That's oh, embarrassing. Oh, that's really sad. Sad film. Have a tissue ready. No, our twenty seventeen special movie. No, I, I mean, oh, to be honest, Dave, I, I, I did well up a little bit about about time, even though I. No, me too, me too. No, he, I, 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 no, I, 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 I will so. add. I will add. I think it's actually a fucking crap movie. Oh, I think it's a crap film. I, 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 I think, I think it's generally really bad. I think it's really well ill thought out, but that's me. And, I, and the whole idea of, of making me well up, I thought, no, I did the emotional work in that. You just got me thinking about what would be, like, you know, about my dad. And now you're, no, fuck you. That's lazy. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it is, but the, the, the emotion, yeah, the the emotion was genuine. The emotion was genuine yeah. in the film. I would, I would, I'd be fairly confident Richard Curtis had lost his father at the point where he wrote that. Probably. But, but the film's, film's crap. crap, yes. Uh, but part of the reason the film's crap... <laughs> What made me laugh about the film is, right, when I, I think I said this on a podcast with James Murphy a while back, I said that um, when I heard there was this time travel Richard Curtis film, I remember thinking to myself, I bet it's got the laziest, most uninspired time travel method ever. And then I went in and it was stand in a dark corner and clench your fists. But yeah, um but the second thing about that film is Donald Gleeson, who I quite like, is the problem. He, oh. He's not a leading man. He cannot lead that film at all. He's playing playing the surrogate Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant would have been in that film if it had been like 15 years, 20 years before. And he isn't, I'm not, you know, you, you realise how light comedy is a skill. You think of it as kind of um, easy to do that sort of acting and, and actually it, it's really not because it's like Arnie I don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a particularly good actor at all but you, you go and see Dolph Lundgren in a film and you go actually yeah Arnie has something because this guy certainly fucking doesn't um, oh, and poor Dolph Dolph Lundgren's shit Chris don't, get, don't, don't, oh. don't, don't, don't dress it up he's rubbish but anyway 
you know, um, you look at about time and you think, well, Hugh Grant would have fucking crushed that. Um, and Donald Gleeson doesn't have it. I Donald Gleeson's fine. And his character's more the problem. It's character made choice that made me think, you know what? I think you're a dick and I don't like you anymore. And I kept waiting for the film to address he that. The, he made the choice to repeatedly have sex with Rachel McAdams. Do you agree, disagree with this? I, I, I'll actually no. I I think there is a that there's a point in the film where he meets Rachel Adams and then then realizes, oh no, I have to do something, and then he go back in time and he finds out he misses opportunity and he goes off with another fella. Now, typically speaking, in in movie, sorry, he goes off with another fella. She she goes off with another fella, right? You know, you know, you know that part, like sort of. Between like in the first third of the film, almost like, and he he then makes the decision of like right, I'm gonna use time travel, go back, break them up, uh oh not not break them up, but like uh, sort of go back myself to make sure she doesn't meet it, and then laugh at him and call him a prick, even though the movie has not justified why he's a prick. He was seemed like a really nice, like, sort of genuinely nice guy. Uh, and typically movie terms, yes, you'd normally expect to be a prick, but I, that just did not sit right for me, with me, and I just thought, no, I do not like you. You are a selfish prick, and you are playing God with time travel to, to suit your needs, and I was waiting for the film to kind of realise he was never meant to be with her, and that would have that would have rectified the film for me, but it didn't. I'll tell you what. This complete fucking slaughtering of this film is making me feel damn Christmassy. <laughs> oh, by the way, Christmas films love actually. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> My God, it's almost like we sat down and crafted that message, Chris. <laughs> well, we have to fill the show with something because because <laughs> we really talk- we're at about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> bear in mind, we spent at least a good twenty minutes talking about not the film. Yeah, and I'm probably going to have to cut some of that because I kind of ended up insulting Americans. <laughs> oh, right, anyway, so, um, so, I don't know, talk some more about that, Chris. <laughs> uh, no, no. All right, well, what it, last, last year we did It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I would go as far as to say we kind of all chose that, but if push comes to shove and we take turns, I chose it because... I'm probably the one that said, what about... This is Chris's choice. Because he's a big, soppy boy. Yes. Um, and I, he just... It... I don't know. It was just like... I just seemed like when we were thinking about Christmas commentaries, like what would be good to do, I thought there'd be like like plenty to talk about with this one. So I thought, yeah, well, this this be... And plus, it's not like... It, it... What worries me, what worries me is that... Um, we Nothing. did a police academy commentary last week, and Chris uh, completely lost the power of speech <laughs> when there were some tits on screen. And Laura so, Lee is topless <laughs> in this film. What's going to happen? Hopefully, I won't be speechless. Um, <laughs> um, um, yes, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it's happened again, I'm just thinking about it. So <laughs> just thinking about poops now, we don't even have to show you anymore. Um, yeah, no, I just thought it was a good, it was a good idea, because enough people watch it, and plus it's not as sacred enough that people... Fit, well, you know, it's one of life is sacred, but but, but, but it, but it feels good... It feels good enough we can take... we It, it feels good enough we can take the piss out of it. 
and enough people like kind of like like it for what it is. So it's you're fond of breasts. It's got Liam Neeson in it. Let us know by emailing. <laughs> yes. Expect us to talk at gmail dot com. And it's got Liam Neeson, as Becca rightly says. Who apparently has a massive penis. <laughs> apparently. Apparently, it's like one of those two-liter Evian bottles. Right. <laughs> Which is just ludicrous. That's just that it, cannot does, be any fun. Does that mean it's got like a quite a like a, a small pointy end? It means it's wedged all the way down the side of the bottle, and you have to unscrew it before you start. That was famous long before um, Hollywood Babylon started going on about it. Yeah, well, it's legendary, isn't it? Oh, Maybe we could do a crossover at some point. What? Well, a crossover with what? Hollywood Babylon. What, you want... Yeah, that... I got, yeah, yeah sorry. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I'll, I'll just tweet Kevin that right now and he'll, he'll be up for it. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll make Kev. I'm sure he won't mind. We talk about penises sometimes. Can we join your show? <laughs> <laughs> we have English accents, don't you know? You'll be, you'll be all impressed by... Your sexy English accent. Blimey governor and they'll cream themselves because we're British. Blimey governor. Oh, blimey Blimey governor. governor. Yeah, there is an element though when you go to the States and you you, you just, you you kind of hear yourself with your English accent and all of a sudden you're just like, oh my God, I'm I'm your grant all of a sudden. You start turning into like, oh, oh gosh, oh yes. See me. Yeah, yeah, you start like talking like a royal. I mean, I've got more polite as I get older anyway. And I'm it's going to be ludicrous by the time. If I ever make it to my pension years, I'm just going to be ludicrously polite because it's happening at quite an accelerated pace. Um, yeah, but you go to America and it's even worse. <laughs> Everywhere you go, it's delightful so, to so, meet you, dear boy. So, so, so uh, basically, this podcast basically you you let out all the filth. <laughs> it's essentially what it is. I I honestly don't think this, I think this podcast is like exactly that i think it's just a version of me it's a character if anything that i can let all this stuff out because this is not what i'm like at all <laughs> i used to work down this, i used to work down i used to work down one wing of this building but i was slightly too far down the wing of the building the reason i say that is um i had to walk far enough down it that i ran out of ways to say hello I didn't want to be like I didn't want to be like um, Dan oh, Aykroyd in oh. Trading Places, where he's just going morning, 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 right as he walks in, morning. So you'll say hi, morning, how you doing? Yeah, hi, hello, right. But of course, I've, I start running out of ways to say that, and I'm still a good few yards from my desk. <laughs> See, you're getting very close to like top of the morning to you, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the problem with being so polite. Oh, oh don't put a run into it. I see. I know I have trouble. Like, I never realise how 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 long to leave the door open for people. Yeah, this is like. Uh... Don't you feel terrible when they break into a run? You get <laughs> I know. I know. Them, you go, oh, I should have done this. Really, should have. To be fair, they were five streets away when I first. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of these problems can be found on the very British problems. Twitter page and the Very British Problems book. If you've got problems with just being too damn awesome, write to us and expect us to do <laughs> com. Becca, have you got any facts about this film? I do. So we can the pat this show out, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Fun fact number one Thomas F. Wilson does all his own horse riding stunts in this film, which is quite interesting. Um, right. Fun fact number two is we 
divulged earlier, um, the character of Seamus McFly was originally written for Crispin Glover, so not appearing in this film. Hang on a minute. Can I just say 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 it slow? Struggling to get a decent running time out of this. So like, just uh, say just say it like you've been slightly sedated. <laughs> okay. Just I'm conscious of Chris needing to go to bed because of his epic twelve-hour shift. You've been thinking about Chris in bed. <laughs> That's not what I said. Yeah, you did. Well, yeah. Well, actually, secretly I am, but you know. Yeah, you yeah. Anyway, um, fact number two. banana and we can add him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, was that like eating noises I could hear before? Yeah, I sorry, I played some of our traders back yesterday. Uh, today, yesterday or today, when I, I went to post them, and uh, I, I think one of them you mentioned about uh, <laughs> Apollo eating a banana and just staring at Rocky. Um, um, um. Um, and then we go on to like uh, Adrian touching herself and eating a flake. Uh, so that was rather in my head already. So tell us more facts, Becca. <laughs> anyway. Fun fact number three, the drive-in cinema, which was built um, in Monument Valley, um, was made especially for the film um, and was torn down shortly after production ended. Um, sadly, no films were ever screened there. So that's quite sad. I mean, to be fair, normally when things are built for films, they get torn down when the film's finished. So well, that's, really, that's what unusual. happens. But sometimes things do get left there, which is quite interesting. And then, you know, tourists and film fans can come along and, uh, and visit it. There's a... CLA Noir for yeah. historically inaccurate details. This is it. Um, film fact number four. This is the first Back to the Future film where Doc and Marty swap catchphrases. So when they're discussing the tombstones, Doc says, Christ, this I is heavy. what you're going to suggest they swapped then. They swapped. <laughs> Swapped body, swapped faces. No wonder, no wonder Ted can't stay on his chair having to watch that chair, shit go on. That's it. So when they discover the tombstones, Marty goes, Great Scott, and Doc goes, Yeah, this is heavy. Yeah, oh, I know, it's heavy, yeah. Which is good fun, I think that was quite interesting. Yeah. And final fun fact number five John Wayne made five films in Monument Valley, which is in the Navajo Nation, uh, during his lifetime Stagecoach, 1939, Fort Apache in 1948, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon in 1949. Rio Grande in 1950, and The Searchers in 1956. In 2008, the AFI voted The Searchers the greatest western of all time. Yeah, I just uh, you might have heard me typing the reason being that I wanted to know, because there's a film that John Wayne made in the 50s that virtually everyone involved with died of cancer. Oh dear. Because they, they did like nuclear testing there and stuff. Yeah, it's the killer film really, isn't it? It's The Conqueror. Hmm. Uh, Dick Powell oh. film. It was. Let me just look at cancer control. See, St. George, Utah, 137 miles downwind of the United States government's Nevada uh, National Security. Excuse site. me, sorry. 1953, 11 above ground nuclear weapons test occurred at the site as part of. You know, just goes on tells you about that. Basically, the director died of cancer. Pedro Armendariz was on in that film and died of cancer. Uh, so that's from Russia with Love's Karen Bay. Uh, Agnes Moorhead from um, Bewitched died. Uh, John Wayne uh, died. Susan Howard all died of cancer in the 70s. Uh, John Hoyt died of lung cancer in 91. Obviously, there was wide use of tobacco around then. But basically, yeah. the whole, it's just disproportionately... Um, it's disproportionately a film that he was on killed virtually the, any for everyone that was involved in it. Well, that sounds like a joy. That's not really a fun fact, is it? 
Oh, I was expanding on your fun fact to keep everyone's mood in check. Okay. People get too excited when you monologue <laughs> at them. <laughs> Pardon? People get too excited when you monologue at them. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. So be be less entertaining. Is my, <laughs> is my advice. And and that's our main objective at Do You Expect to Talk to be less entertaining. Be less entertaining. Be less so, lewd. So less next rude. week we're going to commentate on like Alan Rickman cheating <laughs> on, <laughs> on Emma Thompson unsuccessfully oh. as well. He never really gets his end away. Well, I don't think he does anyway. I don't think he does. No. Which, on the one hand, part of me think, well, all of me thinks that's a good thing, obviously. Yeah. Because I, I am not that type of person in the slightest. But there's also a part of me that thinks he started buying really expensive presents a bit prematurely, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he could have waited until she sucked it a couple of times. Yeah, he just did, did, you know, I suppose we'll talk about it, but he never really seems sold on the whole idea anyway. So it just seems he never a bit seems like. That key. He always seems like he's being forced into it. Yeah. He's like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Uh. Yeah. The story in that film that I find really, really odd is the one with um, Kira Knightley because it's ridiculous, Miss Cass, because she's like 18. Yeah, she's quite young, isn't she? Adults, basically, after this kid. And they're all assholes. She barely speaks, so she's being admired from afar. Chiwetel Ejiofor barely has any dialogue, if any. And because oh. Andrew Lincoln is, like, love-struck and trying to be unfriendly, he hardly says any, anything anyway. So you've got three people with no social skills vaguely milling around each other. That's comedy, folks. <laughs> but we'll get into that. I'm looking forward to it. Should be good. Yeah, it's Chris's choice, so feel free to head to the north-west of England and chill, ch- chin him if it's wrong. <laughs> if you're willing to travel to violently vi- assault someone for the sake of a podcast episode. Yeah. But, you know, in our defence, topless Laura Linney. <laughs> and that in my, my defence, Colin Firth. Like. Colin Firth. Yeah, he's a bit younger there as well, wasn't he? He was, but I think he looks tasty, however old he might tasty. be. Tasty! Tasty! <laughs> no, I'm trying to keep... I, I kind of keep uh, tracks on, like, the, on the people um, Becca finds attractive. <laughs> She's... It, it is the bizarrest mismatch of, like... It's really <laughs> random, isn't it? So you've got Colin Firth, Christian Bale, which is, she's constantly made stuff about Christian Bale, like, said, like, things about Christian Bale with did Batman. John Boyega a couple of weeks ago. Billy Zane, if you can spot him... <laughs> <laughs> well, not really. It's just one of those things. I don't really find him attractive, but it's just like um, the fact that where he has like no Roger hair, Moore. and apparently that's meant to be quite. <laughs> he wasn't happily married, obviously. I'm <laughs> breathing. I'm breathing. And generally well, not dead. Not but I mean, you know, James Bond. Yeah, you, know, he's got, he, you know, can fancy him until the cows come home. Um, but they're like, I don't know. It's like if you've got no hair, apparently that's a sign that you're really virile. I don't. I never quite understood that one. But that was the whole argument behind Billy Zane, anyway. It's testosterone levels, that's all it is. Oh, okay. Not the only reason for balding, though, so it's a bit of a false... Uh, uh. But balding can be caused by, like, excess, excess testosterone, and normally people... Oh, yeah, I never but, like, Donald Trump has to take a drug to reduce his testosterone, and I'm sure you're not desperate to jump his bones. No. Controversial. It, does that, does Controversial. That, does that drug also explain the really crap haircut? 
Well, he takes something to like speed up hair growth or something like that, and boy, by God, it, it looks like it could barely be contained. <laughs> it's like he's got. I, I I still can't figure out his it, hair. It, it's like it's like he's lost a bet, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't mind parting it from halfway down the side of my head. Yeah, why not? Because it, you know, because it, it, he's proved he's proved that it's it's not a wig, or he's had people like rub it and so. But I, I, I just can't understand what's going on with that thing. I just don't. Well, no. Anyway. Yeah, that's a bit weird. I don't. I think it's just somebody's just taken like a wig or a dead animal or something, just plopped on top of his head. It's like, what the hell's going on there? But he has. The, but. He has the best words. So, um... That's right. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, folks, where can we be found on the social media? You can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. And you can find Pasties at... Uh, <laughs> in 1976. <laughs> and, other year, and other years where you can find Pasty and Pasties and Kids. At, I, I, let me just check. I'm going to see if either dude and you have a, have a, have a page thing on. I'm sure you would be. Yeah, at Ivor Dudney on Twitter. All right. Or a pasty. There you are. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Sumtrots on Twitter. You can find us podcast at Sumtrots uh, UK, where you can find me and Dave talking about shit as always. That's our not <laughs> do you expect us to talk. Um, yeah, we never did a Justice League uh, episode, did we? Yeah. Do you know why? Because it was crap. Because it's your podcast and you didn't fucking arrange one, you bell end. <laughs> oh, I know that. But I didn't have the time. I love that. I said, <laughs> I you know why? And you're like waiting for me to drop nope. some insights. The way the Cinematronics podcast works is you arrange it and I say yes. <laughs> I say, hey, Dave, how about you do this? He went, yeah. That's it. I, I can't arrange it. It's your podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. I didn't have time. We just realised our play too late now, wasn't it? But. I think I actually do think so now. I think it's probably like let's not bother. Like yeah, who still, cares? There'll be a summer review episode in uh, <laughs> September. Well, we review films from November. Where we'll review films from March through the end of August. It seems to be. <laughs> yeah. That's ever becoming ever creasing. That is getting tougher each time, actually. Because they just they are cramming more and more. Black Panthers in February, isn't it? Oh god, it's going to be like the year of Marvel, yeah, isn't it? Now, no, that's not necessarily a problem, but yeah. No, it's not a good thing, but just. Well, it's not a know. bad. It's not a bad thing either. Why? Why yeah. is it a bad thing? They've it's got. Not, um, yeah, it's not. It's not a bad thing for sure. They've got to get that in before Infinity War. Um, Epic year. But yeah, it's the fact that if you cover a summer season, where do, where do you start? We started with Logan last year, mm. or this year rather. Um, but it was around. It was either it was it was around the same week as John Wick two. And we didn't put that in. And it was just a judgment call on what represents a summer film. Sure. Well, even though Logan was very different, it's still kind of the X-Men franchise. So we counted it. Sure. But where does that leave you where there's January films? Where does it leave you where there's Star Wars films in December and stuff? <laughs> but yeah, the, the format generally is like start of March until right up until film uh, recording. So yeah, but it it's definitely becoming more each year. The the summer season or, or certainly busier, busier. season is bigger now. It runs for longer, and then there's like a reprise in the autumn and winter now. Anyway, yeah, I think that's good. Like a lot of films used to have like it was more like for the winter season, like Christmas season, wasn't it as well? 
yeah. then obviously the summer market. And then 2019, Bond, yeah. Yeah, can't wait mm. for that. Well, I love mm. Bond, but, you know, I just, yeah, well, we talked about it before. I think Eon have shit the bed now. I think they've had it, mm. you know, four years. Yeah, it'll, it'll be Craig's last hurrah, but we'll see how it goes. I love Daniel Craig, and I'd love him to have made more of them. But I'm at the point now where it's like, if you're going to wait that long, just fucking reboot with someone new. Yeah. It just puts so much pressure on it, particularly if Spectre wasn't that amazing. No. So it's, we, it's wait, we wait four like years, and what if this ever. is no good? We'll have to wait for another three years again, at least. Yeah. It's just, no. Nah, I, I, the problem it's going to have, though, is it's pretty much up against Wonder Woman. Mm. And, they're, and they're late starting pre-production. So it's up against Wonder Woman, and then there's a Star Wars. The episode nine's It'll about be the Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars the episode nine's about three or four weeks later. So yeah, I'll, 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 get, exci- I'll get excited nearer the time. Uh, and they don't seem to make several bad ones in a row, Eon. So maybe they'll have learned something. But I, yeah, I I do think that four years. I, I don't think it bodes well. It's four years. It's Purvis and Wade. And two years into the process, about four years, she said, oh, we've got our Daniel. That's the main thing. And we're, we're starting to look at the script. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you've got that wrong way round. Yeah, you need to kind of go the other way around, really. So. But the script right first. Well, there's a theory going that was comparing um, Daniel Craig's films to Roger Moore films. So in theory, in, according to that theory, we should have the Daniel Craig equivalent of Fury's only year, exactly. I'll be happy with that. If it was as good as for your eyes only, I would take that now. Yeah, definitely. So let's hope that theory comes true. What, so like an end of a hard uh, kind of Casino Royale? No. It, it, well, Roger always ended hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the idea that it'll be a serious and slightly more action light one. But again, the, the thing that I read that, and I don't know how true it is, but I read that there was talk of going like more action light. Because of his age. And I think, well, I'm fine with more action like because I couldn't give a shit about action anyway. But I think because he's been but, injured so but, often but on the streaming films. If you're going action like because of his age and health, mm. then he's not fit to play the role and replace him. Yeah, it's quite. And this is someone, I'm speaking as someone who wants him back, but he's either up to it or he isn't. No, I think it's because he's been injured so much during the course of the films that he's done so far. Maybe they're kind of trying to scale that back a little bit or at least kind of not make the action scene so ambitious but it's just it's the same it's like you, you're either yeah, up for it physically or you're not so make your mind up please that's the point it's like they, they, they do anything to indulge this man now if he said I'll come back in 2021 they'd have said alright no he's co-producer now isn't he pretty much so well that was to kiss his ass as well let's give oh. him a producer credit I love Daniel Craig. He's been an absolutely terrific Bond, and I've got no evidence he's absolutely demanding this on pain of death. No. But the tail is has been wagging the dog all the way through yeah. now, and it needs to go to a stronger studio who would look at a Daniel Craig and say, you're a hired hand. Mm. N- not two people who are like, whatever you want, Daniel. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We've got big shake-ups with, between Disney and, and Fox, haven't we, coming next year, so... I mean, chances are they probably offered Daniel for Emanastic. Well, they probably were like, Dan, do you want a piece of credit? Um, yeah, right. Yeah, why not? I'm, I'm I mean, sure I'd believe that. For an extra I'm 20 million or something. Any one of those things I'm kind of all right with in isolation. 
but it's four years, and like I said to you before, it's a long time. He, he sat at an interview last year and said everyone's tired. I just think mm. that's the stupidest fucking excuse I've ever heard for anything. Yeah, it, it's just really fucking dumb, and and just not you, you are you have just said without meaning to. None of us are up to it anymore. That's what you've just said. No, it's not the best thing to say, is it? Really? We're not up to it. We're too old. Um, we need like more hands at the pump. Mm. We, we need more pumping. More <laughs> pumping, people. You heard it here first. I can't believe is not even take that bait. Yeah, no. I tried, didn't I? I tried. <laughs> if you'd like more pumping, write to us at <laughs> gmail.com. Yeah. We just have to decide what kind of what level of pumping is required. Yeah, I just have to make sure that. I believe you not send it back. That's like you. That's like the one thing. Did either of you hear the smorgasbord I was on last week? No. No, not yet. Sorry. Yeah. You'd have to apologise. You're not forced to listen to my fucking stuff. No, I, I, I do try to listen but to. The news article, that isn't the news article, talk, the news article I... was about like a fucking trackable cock ring. Oh. Ooh. And it was all about like measuring your speed and stuff. Oh my god, what? It's a really fucking funny story. Oh dear, and no, I have to I have to but look at that it somehow. It was one of those that you. I'd, I'd rather listen to it rather than Google it. What insecure man in the fucking world would want to wear one of those? Nobody. When you finish bashing away and it goes, by the way, you shit. Because <laughs> you reach out of ten. Well, that was a three out of ten. But no, Chris, I was about to quote it, but then you got there first, and I was like, well, we just have to decide how much pumping is needed. Uh, I've always, I'm always such a cunning linguist, aren't I? You are a cunning linguist. Isn't it Samantha Bond's birthday or something? Yesterday or today? Oh no, 27th of November. It was Judy Dench's birthday the other day. Yeah, she's uh, 174, isn't she? (laughs) And she celebrated by having a Colin the Caterpillar cake from Marks and Spencer's, like the rest of us. What do you mean, like the rest of us? I've never bought a cake. I've never bought a Colin the Caterpillar cake. I've never heard of Colin Cat the Caterpillar. And therefore, I am not familiar with the concept of a Colin the Caterpillar cake. I can't even pronounce the fucking words. The, the, the end bit's the best bit. It's just a big slab of chocolate. <laughs> I cannot it's favourite at middle-class children's parties the world oh, over. Oh, middle-class, well, that'll explain it. Yes. I, you, you're talking to scummy, Becca. <laughs> I could barely get, oh, I could really barely get to polite do. society to talk to me, let alone buy me cakes from M&S. Oh. That's a cake from M&S. I'm, I'm, hope, I'm hoping I can blast in with my accent and like win a few of them over. <laughs> so, so, Becca, where will you find your social media? If it's not on the... <laughs> <laughs> um, She'll that... be at, at Delighted <laughs> to meet you, dear boy. At Hulu. <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I'm at our underscore view movies um, but you, know, you can follow us at expect to talk on facebook.com forward slash expect as a talk on youtube just search for do you expect us to talk um, and you can also find us on itunes and stitcher you might as well just call the podcast do you expect us to tangent <laughs> yeah we do offshoot on a tangent i don't think we're too bad generally we when we started the show we had a tendency to do that a lot tonight off and off and off. the honest point is i don't think we're that bothered about the film no. That's the bottom line. And it's you really sad because it's called, it's part of the same series. It's a if, light if film. If we don't feel a it, we will it. stay pretty much on topic. topic. But if we, if we don't like it, or if we're not that bothered by it, we will kind of, the further off topic we go, that's a bigger indication of how little we care about it. Well, not how little we care about it, but how little interest we had in it and we invested in it, unfortunately. I love I the fact you corrected yourself there. You said how little we care about it. And you went, oh, no, because you thought that sounded rude. And then came out with <laughs> how little, how little we're time we invested in it. In which there, isn't any fucking harsh. different the same thing we, we care enough to watch it so you know 
I, I, I think my original memory of it, of like watching it and not actually remembering much else, kind of summed up really pretty well. So, okay, so we're done with that series. That kind of flew by. So it means Bond three commentary. films. It means three Bond films commentary. Fairly short. short but we sweet. did it deliberately. We tried to aim it to finish so that we'd have a Bond commentary at number one hundred. Next time it's our hundredth episode, folks. And it's my choice, isn't it? Okay, Chris. See us out. Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with From Russia With Love. <laughs>